0: Psalm one nineteen Psalm one nineteen is written about the Word of God. To share with us the importance of the word of God. And to help us to understand that man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is vital for us to know what the Bible says. Because one of these days we will stand before God and we will give an answer for how we obeyed his word. And excuses and comments such as, well, I thought, or, but everybody else, will not hold water. They just will not work when we stand before God. We must understand not only what the Word of God says, but we must yield ourselves to it if we want to live a life that is pleasing to God. If we want to live a life that is successful and prosperous. Vitally important. We looked at the first eight verses, which all begin in the Hebrew with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. And then we looked a couple of weeks ago at all the letters of the uh, excuse me with the next eight verses, which begin with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Beth. And this morning we're going to look at the Gimel verses, all the verses that begin with the letter Gimel in the. Uh, Book of Psalms, in the Hebrew alphabet and in the book of Psalms 119. Now let me share with you some interesting things. The, centro, the, the center chapter, the center chapter in all the Bible is Psalm 117. Back up to two Psalms, one page, you'll find the centermost chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 17, begins. Stand with me out of respect for the word of God, if you would. You can read it aloud with me, if you would. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, take your word and drive it deep into our hearts. Dear Lord, cause your Holy Spirit, the author, to illuminate our eyes. And our minds that we might understand what it is you're trying to tell us here. And dear Lord, give us the wisdom to say yes, Lord, to whatever you say. May we be yielded. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. He begins this passage with, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Deal bountifully. Well, what's it mean to deal bountifully? There's a thing uh, that used to be quite common in the United States. Now you see it mostly as a, an advertising or a, uh, uh, a logo of some kind. It was called the cornucopia cornucopia, it was a a trumpet-shaped basket comes to a point on this end, and coming out of that basket would be all kinds of fruit, all kinds of vegetables, just wonderful things coming out, and it was always used to picture God's bounty on the United States of America. And we have been wonderfully blessed. I mean, it's incredible how much America can produce. God has blessed us over and over and over and over again through the years. And we need to give Him praise and glory for that. The end of Psalm 117 was praise ye the Lord. Now, that's the English translation for the Hebrew word hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. In fact, we used to sing the little chorus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This side would translate. Praise ye the Lord. You got it? Okay. So uh, we we come to Psalm 117 and it ends with praise ye the Lord. And this passage in Psalm 119 begins with God's bountiful blessings for right motives. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and what? Keep thy word. That I may live and keep thy word. How important is the word of God? Yeah, ultimately important. God's going to judge us according to his word. We're going to have a given answer for how we dealt with his word, whether or not we obeyed his word. I think it's important enough that even if you use an iPhone or a a tablet to follow along in the sermon in the Word of God, you shouldn't be checking your email or your text messages or playing games on it during the service. I have no wish to go back to the early days of this country. However, there are some things about it that I admire as a pastor. One of them was that the deacon stood in the back of the church with a long rod with a wooden knob on the end of it. If someone became distracted or someone uh, fell asleep or was just playing around, the deacons would take that knob and reach up there and go thunk on the back of the head. And you recognize that somebody at least wasn't excited with how you were behaving. Somebody thought you ought to be listening. You say, Brother Casey, you, you wouldn't really do that, would you? No. No, no, no. I'm depending on the people sitting next to you to make sure you behave. Okay? So, David, you scoot over a little closer to Olivia so she can reach you with that elbow. Okay? Bountiful blessing for right motives. I have never been blessed in my life like I'm being blessed now. Amen. I mean, it's incredible to watch God work. When I learned that everything belongs to God and we are His money managers and we are to hold His goods in an open hand so that He can take whatever He wants and give it to somebody else or use it for something else and then He... As long as it's open, he can put other stuff back in it. Oh, changed my life. Taught me to love him more and more as I recognized his bounty. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What does your heart desire? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 16 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to be revealed. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved. Yet So is by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Not only must what we do be right, our motives must be right. Sometimes we do right things, but our motives are wrong. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, read an article this past week about a man who, who the title of the article was Parents Don't Raise Good Kids. Well, that attracted my attention right off the bat. What do you mean don't raise good kids? And the focus of the article was that good kids often struggle with salvation because they think they're being good. They don't need to be saved. They're not wicked sinners. When the truth of the matter is they are wicked sinners because they're living their life not for God. They're living their life for the praise of men or they're living their lives uh, for convenience sake or so they don't get spanking or, or whatever. And they are just as depraved sinners as anybody else. Ron and I were not the... Sweetest boys in the whole church. We were probably in the top three though, right, Ron? Yeah, okay. Just kidding. But there's a lot of things we didn't do, not because we love God, but because we knew mom and dad were always watching. My mother had eyes in the back of her head that were covered up with hair so brilliantly that you never saw them. But they always saw you. Whoa. I mean, whew, you get in trouble. And they knew about it before you got home. If you weren't at home. I got a spanking in third grade. Got off the bus and went in and told mom I got a spanking. She said, yeah, I know. Bad news. travels fast, folks. And the rule of our house was if you got a spanking at school, you got a spanking at home. So I got two spankings. He said, what would you do? <clears throat> I was taking a math test. I don't mind telling you. I was taking a math test. And math was not my favorite subject. Okay, I was fairly good at it, but it wasn't my favorite subject. And I was about two-thirds of the way through with the test. And I realized that after we finished math, we were going to the library, and I wasn't finished with my library book. And so I propped my little desk up about this far, and I got my library book, and I opened it up, and I slid it out where I could read it. And I'm sitting there reading my library book. Well, the teacher saw me, Mrs. Kirby, and she thought perhaps I was cheating. And so she just makes her way casually around the room, come up behind me, looking over my shoulder, realized what I was doing, and said, Randy, put your library book away and meet me in the hallway. They don't have good library books in the hallway. (laughs) Why would I want to go out there? But she was the teacher, and I was just the student. And so I got up, and I walked out in the hallway. And uh, she said, do you understand that when I give a test, you are to take that test, and you're not to be playing with anything else? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm going to give you a spanking. I'm going to paddle you. I said, yes, ma'am. She went and got a witness. Guess who she got? Third degree burns. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, let Mrs. Kirby paddle me, please. I'll go to Africa as a missionary. Please let Mrs. Kirby spank me. And she did. Woo. You say, did you have to go to Africa? No, Lord knew I was making a little foxhole decision there. And so, yeah, she gave me three swats. Mom was not content with three swats. You know, Mom wasn't content with six swats. So we got the three at school and then way more than that at home. And, you know, cumulative, I never made that mistake again. But good kids aren't good enough because often their motives are wrong. Grown ups who try to live a good life are very pleasant to live with, they make good neighbors. However, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And our motives will be judged. And so, the psalmist says, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. I not only want to live for God, I want to be obedient to His word, and I want to do it because He loves me, and because I love Him. Then we get to the second verse in this passage, and it says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I have begun to observe, to, uh, observe Wonderful things out of God's law. I mean, incredible things out of the Word of God. Recently, I got an email. And in this email was a man at an archaeological dig uncovering a skeleton in Greece. And this guy's about 5 feet 8 inches tall, which makes him about this tall. About there. He's about this tall. And the head on the skeleton is almost half as long as he is tall. The skeleton is 23 feet long. I oh, thought, wow, look at that. But that reminded me of Genesis chapter 6. There were giants in the earth in those days. And it all began to make sense. Dinosaurs. Wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 40, excuse me, Job chapter 40, 41. It talks about Leviathan. A dinosaur. All the things that he can do. The fact that he can snort fire out of his nose. Okay? Can you imagine? We're coming into the cold season. Can you imagine People taking a Kleenex and covering their mouth and the Kleenex igniting when they sneeze. Ah, poof. Oh, that'd be cool. (laughs) Wondrous things out of His law. Division of the nations. We find that in Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 11. How God spread people across the face of the world because everybody was dwelling, living in the Middle East. And they got really proud of themselves and they decided to build a tower so they could be talk eye to eye with God. So God split them up, confused their languages so they understood people in their family, but they didn't understand their neighbors. We still find that sometimes today. We lived by some people one time, and I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. They kept saying something about me mowing my grass. Duh, what's that? That's a joke, you'll get it in a minute. But God divided the languages. spread people across the world. Number 19, verse 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do you ever feel like you don't really belong here? Sometimes I feel that way. One of these days I'm going home and it's a place I've never been. But it's my home. And in fact, Abraham is talked about as being a stranger in the earth and looking for a city whose foundations are not made with hands. A city in the heavenlies. And He's there now. I'm not there yet. But I'm going there one of these days. Because I am a pilgrim here. An alien. A stranger. An ambassador, as it were. You say, what? Sure. Sure. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Make peace with God. I'm an ambassador asking you to sign a peace treaty with God. How do you do that? By agreeing to obey His Word. By yielding to His Son. By receiving the sacrifice of His Son in the place of your penalty of sin. And allowing Him to be your Lord and Savior. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Be reconciled to God. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of, God, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You say, what does that have to do with being an ambassador? You know the last thing that a president does before he declares war on another country? Last thing the king of England does before he declares war on another country? He calls his ambassador home. They leave the country where they're serving as an ambassador and they go home. And then the war breaks out. That's significant to me because one of these days, God's going to declare war on this world. And he's calling his ambassador home before it happens. So shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going home. I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. And then, verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. My soul breaks for the longing that it hath under thy judgments at all times. Brother Everett Scheffler's favorite song is When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. I'm going. And the glory of His resurrection we share. The role was called up yonder. I'll be there. That's what he's talking about. My soul breaks for the longing that it hath under thy judgments at all times. Truth of the matter is, I kind of wish we lived under Old Testament law. We're going to in the millennial kingdom, by the way. You see, there'll be a lot less crime When sin is judged in a day. There will be a lot less crime. When rapists are killed. The day they commit the crime. A lot less murders when people die. The day they commit murder. I'm reminded of uh, Jerry Clower who was asked to sign a petition to ban capital punishment, and he refused to sign. And the man said, you you don't mean to say that you believe capital punishment is a deterrent to crime? He said, well, I don't know about all that, but here, let me tell you what I do know. When I was just a boy, I come home from school one afternoon, my mom said, change into your other coveralls, overalls and go out and hoe that cornfield. He said, as I went out through the kitchen, I stopped at the pie safe and got two big old tea cakes, sugar cookies, stuck them down in, in my overalls, grabbed the hoe and headed on out. said, I hoed all the way down the road till I got down to the big old oak tree. And I sat down under the oak tree. He said, I was going, as I was going out the back door, my mama said, Jerry, did you get into the tea cakes? No, ma'am. Keep on going. Said so he got down to the end of the row and he said he sat down, propped his hoe up against the tree, pulled out one of those tea cakes, and he said he was just about to take his first bite when his mom stepped out from behind that oak tree. Said <laughs> so she grabbed that hoe handle and she grabbed a hold of him, and every time he came down, she whacked him again with that hoe handle all the way back to the house. He said, now mister, I don't know if if capital punishment is a deterrent to crime or not, but I do know this. I don't never put a cookie of any kind in my mouth without calling my mama first. <laughs> God's ways are always right. Truth is, my soul longs for heaven to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song entitled, Thinking About Home. The words go like this. A penny for your thoughts, I said to the old man, as he sat there on the park bench all alone. With silver hair and wrinkled brow, eyes a-gleaming, he smiled and said, just thinking about my home. I sat down and we shared some laughs together. And the cinema of remembrance, it did roam. We talked about life's gains and its losses, But mostly, he just talked about his home. He said, I'm thinking about home, thinking about going home, dreaming about leaving here, ready to be moving on. It won't be long before the sun goes down, and I'll be gone. But until then, I'll be thinking about home. I said, tell me, old man, where's your home, and what's it like? He said, oh, ain't nothing around here that compares. You see, a king had it built for me and gave the deed to me. All my family's already there. I'm thinking about home. Thinking about going home. Dreaming about leaving here. Ready to be moving on. Won't be long before the sun goes down and I'll be gone. But until then, I'm thinking about home. My soul longs for thy judgments. We get to the next verse. In the next verse, he says, verse 21, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. There's rebukes for proud idolaters, You see, we don't understand the seriousness of allowing anything to come between us and our love for God. We don't understand it. And yet, in the Old Testament, the writer of Samuel records for us how serious it is. In chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel is answering Saul and says to Saul, "...hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices..." as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Wow! How much have we missed out on Because we've not been obedient to the Word of God. And He's had to rebuke us as proud idolaters. He goes on. Verse 22. Remove from me reproach and contempt. For I have kept thy testimonies. Reproach and rebuke. Removed. And let me tell you something. When you are going through the reproach. And you're going through the rebuke, it is almost unbearable. Let me use Ron for an example. Way back in the old days when he was much younger, he ran for the office of presiding commissioner. He was already the commissioner for the second district, southern half of the county. Elizabeth Falconberry had resigned or was retiring and Ron ran for her seat. He had two more years to serve as the uh, second district commissioner. I think two more years, one more year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Two more years. and uh, But he ran for Elizabeth's office. Things went very well in the time leading up to the election until the night before the election. The night before the election, Elliot Davis had a you-paid-for-it thing on Channel 2 where he was standing on a road... That had been chip and sealed. Spray down the asphalt. You put gravel over the top of it. And it holds down the dust. That's its purpose. And Elliot Davis showed how this stuff was breaking up and cracking up and he told how much money the county commission had spent on had spent doing this repairing the roads what he didn't say was that when Ron became a the second district commissioner there were 700 miles of unpaved roads in Jefferson County and little kids with asthma all over the county were suffering every summer because of the dust and the county didn't have enough money to pave all the roads immediately so they did chip and seal you say, sounds like you're taking up for your brother. No, I'm relaying the facts. I didn't need to take up for him. As a result of that, news telecast, Ron lost the election. It was close, but he lost. Two things happened. Number one, someone called Elliot Davis and asked him what road he was on. And when he Gave them the information. They said, that's not a county road. Whoa. Elliot Davis didn't like being lied to. But he should have checked his facts. He got all embarrassed. He said, well, there wasn't any public apology. Nope. Reporters don't do that. They move on to the next story. But the opponent... That defeated Ron for county commissioner, for presiding commissioner, had the misfortune to get busted for drunk driving and lost his license. Well, the presiding commissioner's got to drive all over the county to meet folks and all that. Guess who volunteered to drive him? Ron Casey. And every time he climbed in that car and drove down one of those chip-and-sealed roads, he knew why he was presiding commissioner and Ron wasn't. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. It's so much fun watching God work. And when it's not your battle, you can rest in the fact that God is going to fight the battle and he's going to get the glory and you're going to win. You say, well, did Ron ever get to be presiding commissioner? No. He became state representative. You didn't know that? Let's move on. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. You see, people who spend time in the Word of God are often misunderstood. And folks out in the world will speak against them. Sometimes people in positions of power will speak against you. But you know what happens? God steps in. Who would you rather? What would you rather have? God mad at you? Or a thousand other people mad at you? You say, that's crazy. A thousand people mad at you. If God's pleased with you, exactly. Amen. And then the last verse, number 24, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. There is wisdom in the Word of God. There's delight in the Word of God. When I see how God provided for the Israelites when they're in the, in the wilderness wandering around and God's feeding them every day and providing water for them every day. Not just water, spring water. Cool, clear water. And when they get to fussing because they don't have any meat to eat, he pretty much buries them in quail. You go to any restaurant and, and and order quail, most of them aren't going to have it. The ones that have it, you probably can't afford to eat there. You know, I mean, quail are expensive. But God provided for them abundantly. Oh my goodness, I love Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Say really? Yeah. Sometimes on Sunday night, I'm so tired, I can't hardly put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes on Wednesday night, I can barely drag myself out of the van to get in here. But I wouldn't miss it for the world. Because when God's people get together and begin to read and study the Word of God, there is great delight, great delight in His Word and in the fellowship of other believers. Oh, I encourage you to be here tonight at six. Choir, I encourage you to be here at five instead of four thirty. Okay, men, I, I I encourage you to be here for the men's prayer breakfast a week from this Saturday, December the seventh. Because the bulletin says this coming Saturday, December the first, and there is.